Welcome to the Dementia Researcher podcast, brought to you by DementiaResearcher.nihr.ac.uk, a network for early career researchers. Hello, my name is Adam Smith, and I'd like to welcome you back for part two of our special on-location podcast recording for the NIHR Dementia Researcher website. And as I mentioned last week, it's special because the fantastic University of uh, Exeter Medical School, or Exeter University Medical School, is hosting us today. And uh, because um, this week um, I'm joined by three inspirational individuals who face the realities of living with dementia in their everyday life. Um, so uh, this is part two. We're carrying on the discussion from, from last time. Uh, and I'm joined today by, um, by Hilary Doxford, Jane Goodrick and Chris Roberts, who are going to talk to us today about their experiences of participating in research studies, what advice they'd have for early career researchers and what they'd like to see uh, improved and, and what they think we do well. Uh, and also as well, um, just to talk about what inspired them to become involved in research. So, so thank you very much and welcome back, uh, Hilary, Jane and Chris. So you've all participated in studies yourself. Yeah. What have, I mean, obviously, you know, some of these things are personal to you, I don't expect you to answer, but what have, has anybody done some drug trials? Has anybody, so Hillary's been in a drug trial? I, I have. Um, actually, it was, the, it was the first bit of research I got involved in after I was diagnosed, um, but it was for a repurposed drug, so it was um, testing a blood pressure drug to see if it helps slow down the progression of dementia. Um, people have, have said to me, weren't you worried about getting involved in a drug trial? And I wasn't. Partly because when I was, when you get diagnosed and there is no cure at the moment, you sort of, you are grasping at straws, you are looking for answers, mm-hmm. you're looking for the hope that Chris was mm-hmm. talking about earlier. And at that point in time, I'd pretty much have taken or done anything that anybody asked me to. Well, people think of tablets as like, the, you know, you go to the doctors. I mean, that's a big issue, isn't it? If people don't come away with a prescription or a tablet that they think that they haven't actually gotten their, their fair share. I, I guess I can see that people might expect that a drug is going to fix this, probably more so than certain therapies and things. I'm not saying people, it's right. Yeah, I'm just people, saying I can see people that. People are so surprised. Who don't who don't know about de- dementia are really surprised that there is nothing at the moment no. apart from a few drugs that slow things down a little bit for a short time. Yeah. So yes, I was on that for two years, so and I never got the feedback. <sighs> I still don't know what the outcome of. I I think. I mean, it's, it's possible still that they're still going. running, it, but it at least still a running, but I've had report nothing. would have been nice. That's it? five years ago. So drug trials. Uh, notoriously involve quite a lot of visits don't they I mean not just in terms of the initial screening but then also in the follow-up and the progress and everything else so thinking about the actual visit and your interaction with the researchers there was there anything particularly that you thought they did really well or anything that they could have maybe done better because that that can be translated, I think, between anybody visiting to you know to undertake some kind of procedure, that there's something to be learned from that. They were, everybody I met on that trial was a lovely person, and they were so passionate about what they were doing. It was really nice to be involved in it. Um, I had a totally good experience there, and I think one of the things was it did give me hope. It gave me a purpose again. It gave me a value again. And a lot of people with dementia, you, you suddenly think, I'm just going to be a burden. 
um, on society, on my partner, what, 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 you know, what contribution can I make? So actually giving us opportunities like that does give us a, a, um, a chance to make us feel valued again. Uh, the, the visits for me, as I am at the moment, are not onerous. They, it's fine, but I know of other people who are involved in trials that just getting to, um, I've forgotten what it's called, wherever they do the testing, um, can be difficult for people, especially if they need a carer with them. Yeah. There's all sorts of logistical things that often get overlooked. At the moment, I'm okay, or Peter will take me. But a lot of researchers, I think, forget about just how hard it can be for somebody with dementia to get from A to B, to deal with all the newness of a building they're in. Um, they're often asked to do a whole raft of tests in one day. I can, still cope, with, I can I mean, still cope with it. I know a lot of people can't. And you're actually jeopardising your results by not designing the interactions to take into, into account the needs of people. And I think that's the balance there, isn't it? Because if, you, if you're bringing somebody from far away or it's challenging, you, they, there's the risk that you try to cram too much into one day. And whilst it might, I don't know, be more expensive or more of an issue, sometimes spacing out the visits and gathering your data over a multiple visits might actually yeah. cost should not be the driver <clears throat> good quality research and good quality results have to be the driver and it costs you more to get that than you factor that in yeah as Hillary said they're doing this research without take on people with dementia without taking into account these people have dementia yeah so it's a lack of knowledge of dementia they may know everything about the medical side but the actual um, the way dementia affects people. I think I think it's much easier for a lot of things to, to be done in their own home, in their own environment, because there's no stress, because stress plays such a big part in how your dementia affects you, anxiety. That's a good, so that again, you know, I'm, I'm gathering a list of top tips here. Yeah. So also yeah. as well, consider the place where you do this. So if it's possible that this is something that can happen the more informal the better the more, the more formal familiar terrible. and familiarity yes. is really helps people with dementia because yeah. it's not like they i mean i mean i know studies vary but it's quite often when i mean i've participated in a study myself is there's only one or two people i mean i think if it's a short screening but quite often it's you know mm. an entire day will be dedicated onto that screening for that one person or two people that are going to come in for cognition tests and then move on so but what must also be taken into account with that is it's not just that day of the screening tests the knock-on effect can is certainly going to go on into the evening and the next day yeah. and possibly even the day after that uh, so, so this has to be considered because the person with dementia doesn't know that until they've um, participated in the study gone along to the first yeah. day's screening done all this raft of tests and then traveling home and then traveling home and then all of a sudden it's it's they're committed to it and they want to help, but it is having a detrimental effect. Yeah. And that one day can, can change someone's life for three or four days afterwards yeah. because of all the stress and anxiety yeah. and, and the hard work and tightness. I mean, clearly you can't take an MRI machine. To, I mean, I know that you no. can get mobile MRI scanners. Yeah. I don't know if your street's big enough yeah. to... But if, you can, but if you can do something very easily yeah. by just... The, Go in yourself yeah. to visit them. The cognitive tests can be done at home, yeah. no yeah. problem. And yeah. they are so often done alongside the clinical tests. Yeah. Surveys. 
And they also often do the cognitive tests at the end of the day. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. Do it first because, well, because I can go and buy the... a scanner at the end of the day and I, I can actually have a sleep in there if I want. So actually almost kind of... Uh, is that because some of, the, some of the blood tests and things that they might do in the morning be, because they want you to be a fasted blood test so they come in and do that first and then do the cognitive... Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think it's ask the question, is this... Can, what's best for the person with dementia... And if that then jeopardises the results, okay, yeah. maybe ask the person with dementia to do the compromise. Mm. But at the moment, it always seems to be the person with dementia that's being compromised rather yeah. than perhaps making it a bit harder for the researchers to do their piece of yeah. work. It's, it's The person with dementia is fitting into their schedule. Yeah, what, what is wrong with showing me um, um, what's going to be done on that day and saying, well, what would be best for you? Yeah, actually, so, 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 and my, so my, can my I uh, actually can I capture that? That's a really good idea. So I think there's a couple of things here. Is 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 to consider doing things away from the you know wherever it's most convenient, not necessarily in the hospital. Also, as well, don't necessarily. Although I don't. I mean, obviously, they have to think carefully about doing arranging different schedules around different people and how that might affect the consistency of the results. But where that's not necessarily a big factor, potentially structuring how you gather the information from somebody around them rather than... I mean, it's the same in the NHS, isn't it? That person-centred care. This is like person-centred <laughs> yeah, research. Yeah. Well, so, so, any, so any brain work, any, any brain work, any thinking has to be done earlier than later. Right. So that's, that's another key one. But even if they can't change it, if they've given some thought to, can we change it, is there a better way of doing this? And they don't come up with anything better. At least they've given it the thought. When Chris was going through his diagnosis, he was having um, psychology, psych, psych, psychology testing. No, psychology. It was a psychologist um, sessions, and he was getting tired. And she said, "Look, come back next week." And I said, "No, no, let's push on because I wanted to sh to, to 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 I suppose to have assessed how um, advanced Chris was." And she said, "No." What we want is Chris at his optimum so that that's his optimum and then we've got a very optimum baseline yeah. to see where he goes further on. That's exactly what the researchers need because if one day Chris is at his optimum but the next time they go and he's much lower because he's tired, mm. because he's had a difficult journey, because they've done all the tests beforehand, they're not going to compare like for like. So that will skew the results, as Hillary said. So so organ web, web practical, certainly... There needs. I mean, I, I'm almost giving it as a given here that there needs to be good, Discussion. what we define as patient public involvement in advance. Yes. Yeah. That before you agree anything, you should certainly have had some input into that stage. But then in delivery, considering uh, the place where it happens, trying to organise, potentially where, where appropriate, organise the research around the person and take their input into that as well. Um, I think there are also, obviously, we because our audience for this podcast is so vast from people who are going to do this via a survey and not even be there to people who are going to bring in for multiple visits and people in the lab I suppose well, we could talk all day but but then there's things like do you and again I don't think there's necessarily an individual reply on this about whether you like to do things remotely electronically via email or hard copy through the post I think I'm probably I'm probably along the lines of saying you have to accommodate for them. Not just everybody us, is just, going to be on the internet. Just give people the choice. Yeah. Give people as much information as you can before it even starts, and then the people can have the choice and inform you back. And, and if you let people know that they have a choice, 
they will let you know their so opinion. Give, having the ability to engage still you know yeah. via you know non-electronically and absolutely talking on the phone still because depending on what stage you're at what support you've got it, it, it's going to vary so the opinions also, are going to change it will vary it will it will give you a wider um cohort of, of participants because Hillary can travel on her own, but Chris can't. So if Hillary came to the stage where she couldn't travel, then you've lost her from your cohort of, of participants. Yeah. So the more choice you can give, the more options that are available, and it, uh, the better a field you have to get your, your um, research participants. I've never seen this happen in research, but I mean, it happens on TripAdvisor, it happens in so many other things in life now, is this kind of review, what, review yeah. your experience Feedback. commenting on this. Yeah. Um, is almost trying to do the evaluate. We've all been to those conferences now where you get an evaluation form afterwards. I think maybe if there was more evaluation from the first person on to get that feedback yeah. straight away to say... How was that How for was you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I know... I know Constru it's, it's constructive. constructive. Yeah. I mean, I know it's sometimes hard to go back and, you know, completely rethink your study or your ethics and you can't necessarily um, uh, make the changes that the... The, the mm. feedback would suggest, but inviting that research at least yeah. allows you to see how you it's might. It's not very often. This. It's not very often that I get asked at the end of a research program, "Could we have done better?" Well, and I think we we should ask that question, and also as well, I I think that that should be in the public domain. If some place, if you turn up to some place and they didn't give you a cup of tea and they charge you fifteen pounds for parking and then kicked you out without never giving you feedback. I'm sure there are no studies that would do that. Really? You sound like you're making it up and you're not. <laughs> but that, that is the warning then to, to the researchers that are going to come in the next round of studies. Um, yes. They have to look more at that. To before improve we even, that. Be, before we even leave the house, we need to know about parking. Yeah. We need to know about... Right, how are you going to get there? Who are you coming with? How can we make this better for you? And that, do you know what, that's the only way you're going to drive improvement. I hate to say it, isn't it, but, but that hotel that's never done really well on TripAdvisor that then gets some bad reviews, that, those bad reviews definitely inspire them to improve. Absolutely. But let's, let's I mean, remaining positive, I think there's probably so many good reviews as well that by getting those good reviews, it's going to help you attract it, It's not about meeting people, people that, that may get it wrong because everybody's doing it with the best of intentions. Yeah. It's about getting it right for everybody. We want to get it right for you yeah. Yeah. because then you're going to come up with the goods for us that we can have commissioned and And you can use, that, you can use that feedback then to both improve, in, both improve this current study and future studies, but also as well to uh, encourage others to participate and show that, you know, Coming along for a day of a, having a, a scan to, to understand yeah. something wasn't a bad experience. I would encourage everyone to get involved. Everyone to get involved because you're not just helping yourself, you're helping maybe your children and those that come after you. Because we, we've been precluded from a few studies because of the distance of where we live. And we understand the, the parameters. To get that should be your choice, shouldn't it? But I, I understand those parameters. There's a cost. And, and mm, yet, yeah. can, but it's not just the cost, it, it's the whole logistics things. You know, we do understand that. But at least... Give us a choice. Give us, yeah, it's a choice. You know, we might come down the day before, at our, not at our own cost, but... You know, because we can do that and then we can give you the best. But by giving us the choice, even if we, if we have to pay for the train ourselves, if we have the choice, there's some research programmes, I go, I absolutely want to be there. Yeah. And I don't mind paying train and that, fare that's for not, £20. Pounds. That's not saying, oh, you know, 
don't give us the expenses because we shouldn't be out of pocket. No, definitely. Because no. Um, some people are more able to, to make those out of pocket expenses, other people can't. Yeah. And you are precluding them from research, and that must be a big consideration. And give the people the choice shall I book your train tickets? Or would you like to book them yourself? And I think there's a difference here between maybe some of the, say, the commercial drug trials, because I think the, the advice there is, is they need to think more about selecting sites where there are people to participate rather than necessarily going to the, you know, the CIs who they've got a long-standing What's relationship. A uh, sorry, a chief. Trick <laughs> <laughs> me there. Going to the chief investigators Thank where you. they have a relationship with, so that they don't necessarily just open a site in London, Manchester, Oxford, Cambridge, because that's what. Instead, to look at where the people are, consider new places, which I know is is work because there aren't necessarily the people then in, you know, Cardiff or down in in other parts of the country to to that of the, the time or the. Expertise well, you can always speak to the trial. people concerned, us, and we will tell you where these groups of people are a lot of the time. So, so there's definitely something for the bigger studies, the, mm. the bigger studies, commercial and non-commercial, to look at where the people are that might want to participate in this, rather than just finding collaborators in, in that way. Yeah. Well, you've got joint dementia research, you know, Which that is really needs to... boosting. It's... Well, and, and I think when, because I was involved in setting that up, and I think one of the one of the long-term aims we always had was that we could use the registration numbers and the information about people in there to influence where research happened in the future. And I've seen that, you know, I mean, Yorkshire has a massive number of volunteers in joint dementia research and very few drug trials. And we've used that a few times to kind of push back and say, well, look, there's these people in Yorkshire where we can do that. And we should add that uh, early career researchers who are looking for volunteers can use joint dementia research to find people for free as long as their study is ethically approved. There's a, a form they fill in on the website, joindementiaresearch.nhr.ac. You've also got a lot of groups now as well. There's working group in Scotland, there's working groups in Ireland, there's working groups yeah. in Japan, there's one just recently formed, the Three Nations Working Group, that's Wales, England, Northern Ireland. We are setting up our own groups. We are self-advocacy now. Yeah. And, I'm, and just speak to, to one of us and we can almost put you in touch. There's deep groups, there's Alzheimer's Society groups all over the country. I think, I mean, obviously, I mean, this talks to a certain type. I mean, obviously, the studies we're talking about here that you travel to and that are in certain places are those probably largest, you know, larger studies that are funded by some of the... I think a lot of the early career researchers that will be listening to this now will be PhD students undertaking <coughs> research that might only be a few months or a year and it will mm. be quite localised to look at the, the people in the community where, where, they, are. where yeah. they are. I mean, I mean obviously, joint dementia research we've talked about, where else do you think they might go in that local community? Peer support groups, memory cafes... And it's not just in the community, you can also do it online. There's a, there's a lot of virtual groups coming online now. Hmm. And, and there's, there's loads, there's international groups at different time zones and things like that. But there's also, um, you, you go to a local, local, any local support group, and there's always, I think there's a support group in nearly every village and town these days. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, they're getting, you know, they kind of tap into those, to those places where they can come. 
Um, I, I, we're, we're way, way we're over skipped. I think we're, what we're going to have to do is make this like a one-hour special. <laughs> part one and part two. <laughs> we could part one and part two. Actually, that's a good idea. If I could say at the end, that's the end of part one, where we might, that might be a good what idea. Just following on from what you were saying about um, all these community groups in, in local areas, one of the things that we are really pushing for is about keeping people with dementia in the community and something like the researchers have a huge opportunity to go out into communities and, and speak to people um, and it's another opportunity to improve lives for people with dementia just by some inclusion and some involvement actually in their community. Well and that, that doesn't necessarily even just go, I mean that assumes that the researchers idea of what they want to research and the idea that they've got is right. I, I think before they even kind of arrive at that conclusion there's this idea that you could go out and talk to some communities to say look mm. I'm going to be doing my PhD it's re you know basically in the idea of trying to say um, help people to live in their own homes for longer or leaving dependent lives yeah. and well, have I've a conversation technology which I believe will help in a, this a, way. a massive resource in, in, in local communities that I think are untapped a lot is, is assisted living retirement homes and care homes yeah You've got a lot of people sat there and you've churches. got a captive audience. And I think, I think the idea is actually, before they even arrive at their decision as to what their research is going to be, is you could go and look around a little bit mm -hmm. more, decide actually, what do you think needs to be researched right now? And as you say there, you're talking about use of technologies. Our, our podcast that we released uh, a little while ago was around using Amazon Echo devices with smart home technology. That's a great to personal assistant. Well, the, the, the feedback was it's definitely it's quite handy for turning the lights on in the middle of the night, so you don't have to find the light switch came up as a common one. Timers we use Take a lot. something from under the grill. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, I've put my dinner in the oven. Please, will you remind me in 30 minutes? Yeah. Or, uh, you know, uh, the people were using timers a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that. Um, but it was, but it, I mean, that's just one area, isn't I'm it? just it's having crazy. a friend to read you a story. Well, they can do that, can't they? Yes. Alexa can read you a story. And they don't argue. It's not taken away from the human <laughs> touch. Tell you the time. But it's bringing you company when you don't have that, that human contact. Mm. For what, you know, it's late at night, your family are all at home with their children, whatever. Um, and you've yeah, got the phone in, you can ring each yeah. other now it's as well. Is this another Amazon, we're looking for sponsorship for this podcast. Yeah, if you'd like other, to, other, other, other gadgets other things, are available. Yeah, the gear Google make one and uh, yeah, yeah, Apple yeah. make one as well now we as well. And many more probably that we've never heard of. <laughs> Just okay. to cover all options. <laughs> so we're we're fifty minutes in. So I'm gonna do a quick fifty minutes. In. I'm gonna do a quick recap and then I'm gonna give you ask you for your last thoughts. So in my notes, I've been taking throughout here. Apologies for the keyboard clips. We talked, first of all, about feedback being really important mm -hmm. throughout the process of the study. Actually, we should probably do this in order. So we've talked already at the start about maybe turning to um, turning to people with dementia and carers for their ideas for what would be good to research, engaging with the local communities when you're looking for recruitment, as well as national ones like Join Dementia Research. Well, while you're on that subject, and, and do not... Um, um do not not engage with with with, with my, my my relatives because they know me better than anybody. And then you, if you talk to them, you'll get it right for me. Yeah, the, the expertise that that Jane has that she'll have no communication issues about dementia. They're also experienced. They're, they're yeah. affected by dementia. Um, 
the materials they produce yeah. need to be well written, simple, include a glossary would be quite helpful in, in future particularly as well, that that could be online, offline, um, and don't assume that there isn't a level of technical knowledge amongst your the, the people you're aiming to support. You should publish in both ways to accommodate for those that do and those that don't. Um, I'm trying to remember the process here. So site visits. We're relying on you. We've got recruit Site visits are, are important too. We talked about trying to make sure we could potentially wrap the research around the person to fit in with their life where that's appropriate and Get possible. the environment right. Um, and and if there if you know if you can't avoid the need to come into the hospital, making sure those details are taken care of, where you're going to park, how the day is structured around the person, um, how the costs of that are met. Don't assume that people from further away won't be willing to do it. Uh, although it's not ideal, but they should potentially at least have the choice. choice. Um, and then once your research is being delivered, trying to make sure you feedback throughout the process, even if it's just progress reports. Um, and then when you publish in the end, making sure that is at least shared with everybody in there, in the public space, and also as well that there's a plan for how you're going to implement and disseminate that research finding you do. That this shouldn't be a nice PhD that sits on a shelf somewhere, that where you can, you <coughs> translate that into some reality mm. did I sum everything up did I miss anything so I'm going to go around the table now the, the, the journey the journey as soon as I get an email inviting me to take part in a research on a certain time on a certain day the researchers think that that starts at that time for them it doesn't start at that time for them it starts when I get that notification so I stress about it day by day so anything can make that easier yeah, would make such a difference. So, <clears throat> I, I've done my bit of a summary. I, I'm sure I've missed. I'd recommend. I think we're going to recommend that everybody should listen to this before they they embark on there. Um, but I'm going to go around the table now, starting with Hillary. For any final thoughts, top tips that we've not already covered. Uh, what what's your what's your top two things or top thing, and what what. Piece of inspirational advice would you give to early career researchers that are listening? Adam, asking me two questions. <laughs> Somebody well, with no, dementia this needing to come I'm up not with an taking, answer like I'm not that. taking my own my own advice. <laughs> oh, here. Let's start with All what right, would be top. your top tip for a put yourselves in our shoes. That's a good top tip. Yeah. I I really feel that, and I'm so guilty of it myself of not having done that. I used to make horrendous assumptions about what people wanted, what people could or could not do. Never once put myself in their shoes. And if you just stop and think, if my brain wasn't working like it does, what would that mean to me? If my brain was going so slow that by the time you finish your sentence, I'm still processing the first two or three words of that sentence, how would you deal with that? I think that would be my top tip, is just stand in our shoes, try and, try and stand in our shoes and then decide how you would, how you would take things forward. That's, That's definitely excellent, important. Excellent piece of advice. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. You're I'm glad I came up with something. <laughs> so, Chris, if you can lean close to that microphone and give me your, <laughs> your next. Talk to me, just ask. But find out a little bit about me as well and what I need and then I can help you get what you need 
We're going to have a, a Communicate. hashtag ask Chris. Just ask. <laughs> Just ask. I'll say no. Well, that's an interesting idea, actually. That's something else we could potentially do in the future is, is we could run some kind of like virtual virtual advisory thing where any early career researchers that just want to want to have a place where they could tick we could we could organize some run it past the other do they call them tweet ups tweet ups are they called tweet ups twitter chats i i chris is the expert on that he's so good i'm social media nearly said a bad word then and um no you can it's fine (laughs) you can swear at everything should they not make that clear at the start Jane, I suppose my top tip is don't let the barriers put you off. If there's a barrier there, there's a way around it. The barrier can be something as much as your fear of engaging with somebody with dementia, your fear of bringing a certain topic up. Don't let the barriers put you off. Find a way around them. Don't let the gatekeepers block you. And the gatekeepers can be somebody like me. It's like, oh no, oh no, he wouldn't want to. He, he no, he wouldn't be able to to be involved in that. Ask mm. the person, not just the carer. Feel the fear and do it anyway. But be as passionate about your research as we are, because if you're not passionate, it's not going to be any good. Don't make assumptions. Yeah, and that well not speaking on behalf of us, but I just want to thank everybody that's listened to this and thank them for what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without them doing it, we're going nowhere nice in the near future. Everything everything that's done on our behalf, we don't get the thanks that that you deserve. We thoroughly appreciate everything that's done. And we've but, been nitpicking here. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't forget oh, I think I think for every. I mean, this isn't the the advice that we're giving out today. Isn't to say that this isn't already happening in places mm-hmm. around the country. Oh, I think yeah, there's lots of examples of this so happening. Much. This is just advice for for those that are maybe starting out on their study yeah. or are getting to yeah. the point where they could. Yeah. That's uh, how we're able to give you the advice because we had people come from Cardiff to spend ten minutes with us in North Wales, which is a four and a half hour godforsaken train journey to take a sample of blood and go back to Cardiff. And we thank them for that. And it's nice scenery. Respect. It's time to end today's podcast recording. I'd like to thank our panellists, uh, Hilary, Jane and Chris. I know that all our panellists are very active on social media. So you, uh, I'll share their details with you. You'll be able to look at their, um, their Twitter links below this, this page. <laughs> Um, and, and I know that they're very happy, as they said, to, to answer questions. So we'll, we'll share their details on social media. Um, thank you also to Piers Cotting and the University of Exeter Medical School for hosting us uh, here today. Absolutely. If you have anything you'd like to add on this topic, please do post your comments in the forum on our website or on below, or you can tweet us using hashtag ECRDementia. And um, please remember to subscribe to this podcast through SoundCloud and iTunes Tell your friends and colleagues and um, please do leave us a nice review. Thank you very much. This was a podcast brought to you by Dementia Researcher. Everything you need in one place. Register today at dementiaresearcher.nihr.ac.uk.